Focus Film Podcast, a drink and an unedited, unplanned chat about film. In episode five, Ollie joins us to discuss disaster movies, The Rings of Power and Doctor Who. Right, here we are on the next episode of the Focus Film Podcast, joined this month by a writer who's not been able to remove his pen from the paper this month, Ollie Law. Howdy. How you doing? Not bad, you? Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> very civil. It's very civil. It's all very nice, yeah. Yeah. We went with fizzy drinks this week, <laughs> uh, this month, for our drink of choice. We're, we're uh-huh. drinking some fizzy. Um, I, I, I'll i go first. I'll kick it off. I have got a Corsten Press... Where's the camera? Rhubarb. Press. Yeah. Rhubarb blended with crisp apples and sparkling water. Deliciously tart is what it's described as. I will I call you deliciously tart. That no, is, that, yeah. yeah. A yeah. delicious tart, sorry. A deli- <laughs> uh-huh. I've never had one, so I thought I'd try one. I've panicked because you said about fizzy yesterday and about five minutes before it came on, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um... I had a few drinks yesterday, but the only fizz I've got in my house is beer. So I've gone with uh, a Brains SA Gold and I've got a Brains glass for it to go in that I nicked once from a pub. I bloody love that. Yeah. So you're not hung over today after drinking Do you know night? you can just feel it? You know, it's just like, it's there. It's happened. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. I've, I've just got to deal with it. Um, but it's not the worst thing I've ever, it's not the worst one. Ollie, what are you drinking? I also panicked when you said about fizzy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, the kitchen's being completely redone, so finding any drink is just an absolute disaster. Mm. So I've got sparkling water um, nice. that is completely flat and out of date. So that may, that may that upset of- some of the local wildlife, but... <laughs> The dogs are loving it. They can't get enough of the out-of-date sparkling water. Can I also make a note that all three of us here like fizzy water, which is the 100% ratio is very rare. I didn't say I enjoyed it. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Desperate times. (laughs) It's just all there was. Yeah. How out-of-date is it? I don't want this to be the first time we kill someone. Um... Can you die from carbonate, carbonated water? Can you? I don't think so. I think you'd be all right. Yeah, Isn't I it think the we're plastic safe. in the in the water bottle that is actually that actually goes out of date, not the water. Or is plastic. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never waited long enough to the... see. <laughs> can you say that with a bit more certainty, Gareth? But again, um, we're talking microbes here. We're not talking salmonella. No, we're, we're, it's the long haul you're going to die from. You know, uh, when you, you set... say that, but I have just watched Ollie's face as he took a sip, and it wasn't. Yeah. I'm all right. It wasn't great. <coughs> I'm going in with mine and pouring. Oh, he's opened. I've I've cranked. I'm getting as close to the mic as I can. That is bloody lovely. That's actually, that's, it's very nice. Delicious. Just what you want for a Sunday, this. Yeah. Sorry, Ollie. That was nice. And I'm sure yours is not nice, but. <laughs> it's okay. <coughs> this is, this is crazy. I should, I feel like we should say that 
never have the three of us engaged in conversation like this, despite being the three people who write most for Focus Film. Becky does as well. Um, mm-hmm. I never knew you existed, Ellis. Did you not? No. Well, no. I do. It's hard to believe. It is. The thing is, I could have just lied about either one of you and and pretended that Gareth was another persona of mine or something or, you know. <laughs> yeah, like a ghostwriter for your own blog. Yeah, yeah. That you also write for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hmm. Just to make and we're doing busier. this um, on Zoom as well, or virtually anyway, which is the first podcast of this that we've done virtually. It is. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Reason being is that we're going to the cinema after this. We are. To see? Uh, Halloween Ends. And what's the other one? I can't remember the other one. Barbarian. That's the one, yeah. So two which Halloween I knew movies. nothing about. And then saw we saw the reviews coming through on Letterboxd, obviously parallel with its US release. And now we thought we'd better go see it. Ollie, are you a Halloween uh, fan? Halloween movie fan? Halloween fan in general? Or? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the Halloween I'm, special. I know uh, the dude. Was uh-huh. it Mark, Mark Myers from Shrek? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer him in Shrek than Halloween, if I'm honest. But To be fair... The Halloween movies would be better with Shrek instead of Michael Myers, I think. And yeah. vice versa. I've just never had the opportunity to watch them, to be honest. Well, I sort of meant horror. I should have said horror, not Halloween. Oh. But horror, the horror Halloween era, you know, time. Are you a fan? Do you get into it? Um, I'm easily scared. So if mm-hmm. I'm forced to watch something, um, then that's why I would watch it rather than just going oh yeah i'll go to a cinema to see somebody get slashed to bits <laughs> yeah. when you put it like that it does kind of feel like why why do we enjoy this i love a horror i've watched loads of them you didn't used to though it was only no, the last couple of years it is literally since doing focus film and doing talk about as well. i think it's because when we go to the cinema to watch them we just piss ourselves laughing throughout the whole thing Halloween Kills last year is still one of my favourite cinema experiences because it was dreadful, <laughs> but, but we loved it because it was so stupid and I can't wait to see the next one because I hope it's going to be the same sort of thing. Didn't the, the first one of this trilogy get like really good reviews? Yeah, it did all right. Yeah. And then, How's this one doing? I don't know. Is this It's well apparently received? the worst one. I've heard it's the worst one. Uh. But I've but heard we'll have, Barbarian's brilliant. So, you know, we're balancing, balancing. Even things. the brilliant ones, though, I have to laugh. I don't know if it's a nervous thing sometimes, but I just laugh <laughs> through all the death uh-huh. <laughs> in film. Um, in f- <laughs> yeah, just to clarify. Yeah, yeah. How's that beer going down, Gaz? Oh, it's uh, perked me up, should we say. <laughs> Has it? Yeah. This hour's going to be uh-huh. great. And what about the sparkling water, Ollie? Um... Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and Ellis, tart? Is it tart? It's, um, I, do you know what I'd actually say? I'd say it's deliciously tart. Oh, okay. That's good. Which is what it brands itself as, so that's, that's Yeah, it's not overly good. tart. No, it's just deliciously tart. Mm. I don't think they'd put overly tart on the tin. No. <laughs> <laughs> overly tart, tart. rhubarb. <laughs> it's great alliteration. Extra man. tart. Yeah, yeah. Two tarts, yeah. 
Um, so we've sent each other our lists of things we've watched this month. Uh, uh, so, so let's start with that. And then the second half of today's episode, we're going to try some new things uh, and talk mm. through how our month has been at Focus Film. So to start with, we'll talk about what we've watched. Is there anything, Ollie, on either mine or Gareth's list that you wanted to pluck out to, to talk about first? I'm looking for it. Um, is The Whale, the Brendan Fraser film that's just coming out? Yes. How was that? Mm-hmm. So we saw that as at the London Film Festival. They did a uh, shared screening in Nottingham. So we went to see that. It was... Gareth, I think you had a lot more to say eloquently about this than I did. Yeah, I felt like I needed to, because sometimes when I come out of the cinema, I never know what Ellis is going to say. Sometimes he says, that's the best film I've ever seen, or and, and I'm thinking it's rubbish, and then vice versa, he'll come out going, that was trash, and I'm in tears. Um, so, And this one specifically, uh, it's quite intense. It's very... Um, I don't know. If you're really sensitive about your weight, I wouldn't go and watch it. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you've gone through a, a lot mm. of stuff like that. But, um, so it's about this guy who's had a lot gone on in his, on his life and he uses um, food, I guess, as his crutch. Uh, and you can really tell that when he's eating through the film. But he, he has become um, to the point where he's suffering with it. And it's quite claustrophobic because you never really leave his house throughout the film. Um, I don't know if that's a spoiler, is it? I think no, so. I don't think so. We said it was um, play-like. And it yeah, it's like a play. Like a play. I think it was a play. Yeah, yeah. It turns out it was a play. Um, but Brendan Fraser is unbelievable. I think it's one of the best performances of anyone I've seen. Nice. Um, the, it is really dark. Like there's no let-up. I don't think there's some funny moments, but there's no letter. Um, I gave it a four though, four out of five. I did too. What do you think? Yeah, I I feel the same really. I mean, it's just our boy, Brendan Fraser being back. It's quite exciting. Mm. He's been away far too long. You're a big fan, right, Ollie? I love him. Of Brendan Fraser. I, uh, as soon as I got home, I pretty much ordered the mummy on Blu-ray because I wanted to rewatch. And I loved it. Not the Tom Cruise one. It is a good one. No, no. Imagine. <laughs> Damn it. Nice. Yeah, we so we did The Whale, we did White Noise, yeah. uh, which is the new Noah Baumbach one. I preferred that. I loved that. And then we, I did Matilda, the musical as well, um, which I think I've spoken to you about, Ollie, a little bit already, we were saying, because you quite like the original film. Um, yeah, the Danny DeVito one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, a classic, classic. It's so weird. It's, it's, it's so different. I was going to say, it's got its own, like, I don't know any other film that's got that kind of style. I, I don't even know how you'd describe the originals. Like, yeah, just the way it's made, it just feels different to like any other film. Sure. Um, I don't it know. It feels very Roald Dahl-y, doesn't it? It feels like yeah. true to the it's feeling sort of, of the book. It's sort of messy, but not. And I don't know if that's like a, a Danny DeVito thing and he hasn't, how many films has he done? Uh, he's done quite a few. I'm quizzing you now. No, I agree with you though. Um, there's something about the original film that's uh, um, heightened. Everything's really heightened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I suppose the new one gets away with it because it's a it's a musical, isn't it? Is it Tim Minchin? Yeah. So Tim Minchin did the mu- uh, wrote the music for, it, and the music is great. To be fair, as you'd expect if you're a Tim Minchin fan. Um, 
and I'd seen the musical uh, and it's, I loved the musical, like the actual show of it. I think it's such a, I don't know, it's amazing. It get again, gets that Roald Dahl energy in a very different way to the film. Um, but the this film, this new film uh, starring Emma Thompson and Stephen Graham and Lashana Lynch and a load of others, it's just not quite got the charm of the original film or the book. Uh, and it doesn't have the chaos that the musical has. The musical is so like choreographed to perfection that it feels very chaotic at all times in the best kind of way. It feels like they know what they're doing right. at all times. Whereas the film, it doesn't quite have that. So there's one song in particular when they're going through the alphabet. I can't remember what the song's called. And in the musical, it's it's just amazing. Whereas in the film, it was very simply done because it's a film. So it's one of those where I think it works better as a stage show in this version than it does as a film. Okay. But Emma Thompson's amazing. She's so good as Trunchbull. Can I uh, also t- shout out that cinema in Nottingham? Uh, yes. Those seats, bloody comfortable. And they have toilets in the auditorium. I mean, not like, there's not a urinal next to your seat. You have to still go in. <laughs> but by the screen, you go in. It's a dream. And Alice, you made a friend. We were trying to get I her on, make a friend. on here, but <laughs> yeah, we yeah. out. We ran out of time. There was a girl next to us by herself. And we got there. I don't know what mood we were in, but I think we just had a beer, right? Yeah, we had just had a beer, yeah. And um, so... <laughs> Ollie's camera's just fallen over. Apologies. Hiya. There he is. I'm back. Um, and we were... I mean, we were we were on fire, Ellis, really, weren't we? Comedy, laugh... It was, it was laugh line. rolling out. <laughs> yeah. But then she was laughing along. But we wanted to go for an insurance week before the film. I didn't really need one. But you know, you think I've got to get just in case. And then Alice piped up saying, can you just look after our coats to this girl? Because we're going to go for an insurance wee. And she's like, uh, yeah. It's very casual. Not everyone knows about the insurance wee. <laughs> but she was down for it. She was. And then when we came back, she told us she guarded them with her life. So. And I believed her. I did. So. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. And then you check your wallets. So, <laughs> gone yeah um so they, they were some new releases we saw but they're not even out yet which is quite exciting but all three of them i tell people to watch like even uh matilda people have a really good time with them with it i think uh it's, it's really good fun ollie yeah well all three of us have watched this actually so it's quite a good one to pick out but on your list you've got black adam oh yes yeah. the new release new film release you've watched what did you What did you think of Black Adam? It's a mess, but um, <laughs> it it ended better than it started. I think. Um, I I don't I don't know I don't know if like the weight of everything that DC's been doing is sort of bringing everything else down. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like they're still trying to build on like no foundations whatsoever. Um, and dragging in all these different characters from from DC, but the actual, uh, I feel like the the supporting characters were better than the main character. So you've got Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate, and can't remember his name, but the guy that plays Hawkman. I thought they played off really well. Uh, Aldis Hodge, I think his name is. Yeah. Uh, it, when they were when they were brought into it, it sort of became enjoyable and. Tolerable. Uh-huh. Mm. 
I'd agree. I think when they actually introduced them, I was a bit like, this has come out of nowhere. This team are just be coming into it. But once they'd kind of had a couple of scenes, I was like, okay, well, I'm actually much more interested in these guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of like a, a fresh dynamic that wasn't in uh, any other DC film that I can think of up to this point. And when I say DC, I mean not the separate stuff like Matt Reeves, Batman and... The DCEU. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I found, yeah, with related to that, I think a lot of it was a bit underexplored. So I found it really interesting that the the locals were annoyed at the Justice League for trying to mess in their own business. Yeah. Like there's a really good commentary there of like the international people trying to interfere with local problems, but that sort of went away after a while. Um, and I felt like it could be two films. The second half when the extra bad guy came in, um, it was a bit naff in the end because I don't think he had time to build up how evil he was. He's just, oh, there's an evil guy there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I felt like they were trying to cram too much into a two hour film. Was the guy that played the villain in the end, was that Jafar from the Aladdin remake? Was it? Well, actually, yeah. Uh... Because if it was that the CGI, um, I don't know if that's a spoiler, but the uh, the the demon at the end, I swear that was just the same character model as the the evil genie in Aladdin. It was him. Yeah, it was. I told him. you, mad. He just tried the same scheme again in a different film. <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> he should have learned from the first time. Yeah, exactly. Do you think it would have been it would have been more well received if it was brought out like ten years ago? Probably. Yeah. It felt like it was made 10 years ago. Yeah. Wasn't he cast like in 2009 or something? It's ridiculous. Yeah, they've been talking about it for ages, haven't they? He still had hair then. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it the highest grossing f- for him though? It's the highest grossing Dwayne Johnson film. Oh, is it? Really? Uh, opening weekend. Like, biggest well, he, opening weekend. He did successfully build up a lot of buzz for this film. To be He fair. was on The One like, Show. Do you see him on The One Show? <laughs> The Rock was on The One Show. That's right. I tuned in. I never watched The One Show. And there he was, just sat there, just cowering over everyone. It's a great time. <laughs> yeah. And he had to pretend to do his uh, Black Adam, like, force field thing. Because he was trying to teach the guy on the sofa how to do it. You right. know, typical One Show thing. And then they moved on to something about sheep, probably. Or Yeah. He's having a yeah. great time. That guy, what's the guy called who's always on that? Dom, Dom Little or Dom? I don't know what you're on about, right? mate. I never watch it the apart guy. from that one. Dom Nick. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you do an impression What did you say, Dom Nick. <laughs> like the worst joke I've ever come no. up with. He's a little... <laughs> can you do an impression of him, Alice, so I can get a good picture? He's a little bit um, Ross Kempish, isn't he? So I'm going to go and find out who's been hacking into these phones. But happier. Yeah. But first... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Go on. <laughs> Let's check in with the team and make sure that they're all happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't know what he's talking about there. Uh, I should probably get more Doesn't better matter. content for my impressions. Yeah. I, I sprung that on you, to be fair. You did. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Um, the Fall of the Nazis, season three. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. 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 So there's three seasons of this. What is it? Well, I didn't realise there was three seasons. Um, it was on after something on BBC Two. 
I think it might right. have been University Challenge, which I didn't put down there because I find it a bit boring. Um, yeah, so it was not as depressing as it sounds. Oh, it was actually quite depressing. But whenever I see a Nazi thing, I think, oh. But it was coming from the uh, point of view of the psychology of what happened. So right. what all of the people in those camps would have been thinking, what they've been going through. Um, and it made them f- sound more human. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously, I don't know why I'm talking about Hitler in this podcast, but um, with, because he's seen as pure evil, like he's the epitome of evil, right? But he was still a human. So it's trying to get into what he would have been thinking. Yeah. So you can, rec- I guess it's so you can recognize that in people today or like regimes today. But it was very interesting. Okay. So this wasn't you binging three seasons. Of- <laughs> no, That's no, what no, I no. thought when I read it. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yes, season three's out. <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait. Let's drop in next week. Got to get on this. <laughs> yeah. No, it just happened to be on. And then I, uh, I did actually go back and watch the next episode the day after because I was interested. Right. Nice. There you go. Thanks. Well, for- that's the-, the first one you bring up is the, uh, the Nazi one. Great. Can I ask an unrelated question? Yeah. Well, it is related. Are you allowed to dress up as Hitler for Halloween? Or is that like a banned thing? I think that's banned. I imagine that's Since banned. Since Prince Harry did it. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Prince Harry not... did it? He dressed up as a Nazi, didn't he? What? Yeah. Oh. In his wild years. Because it, it wasn't, isn't it? In the, I mean, I assume it's the king now, but illegal to deface the queen. Yeah. Does that apply for impersonating? You can impersonate the king, as a, queen. You can impersonate the king or queen. We're asking the big questions now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, from kings and queens to princes, Gareth, you've watched yeah. The Prince of Egypt. I did. And you'd never seen it before. We had a bit of a debate about this, didn't we? If I remember rightly. Yeah. But I can't really remember why. It was about DreamWorks. Yeah. Uh, yes, first time. And it was on my watch list. And I had... A bit of time spare. And I thought, you know what? Let's bang it on. Because I've heard such good things. And they were well-founded because I loved it. It's very old school animation, but epic. I, and I, I think the discussion was, this wouldn't be made anymore. Um, sure. And you were like, yeah, yeah. it would. <laughs> and I was kind of saying, cool. like, I don't think someone like Pixar would make it. Because they're, they usually go on concepts, like big ideas. Um, usually about death, to be fair, lately. Um, but DreamWorks, I found when they're early days anyway, they're very character driven. Um, and I just thought it was a really well made film. It looked amazing. And the soundtrack was awesome. I just had a great time, really. Epic. Nice. And I don't think it would be made anymore. I, it's a good argument for when people say that animated films are kids' films. Mm. Because. I mean, this clearly isn't like, yes, there's jokes thrown in and lighthearted things and characters thrown in that will appeal to children as well. But this uh-huh. is tackling things like slavery and death and religion and neglect and all these themes that are definitely too much for kids to like, we'll just go over kids' heads. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. I think it was in the cinema when I was a kid. Was it 99? Something like that? Uh, 98. Ninety-eight, yeah, and I remember not wanting to go watch it because it sounded boring. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, but it's right up my street now. Nice, Ollie. I got I, to ask you about Doctor Who. What about it? 
David Tennant, the boy, is back. He is back. And like, usually I think that should come with a spoiler warning, but I mean, everyone knows. It was it was everywhere before it was even on the, like, yeah, yeah. At the end of the episode. But what, what do you think of the episode as a whole? I hated the episode as a whole. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was terribly acted. Uh, I thought it looked pretty naff. I think it literally summed up Chibnall's reign of the series. Like, yeah. Just full of half-baked ideas and bad acting. I saw someone had said that uh, they think Chris Chibnall imagines he's writing for an audio drama. Yeah, I can understand that. That's how, so like all the lines are kind of written. If you close your eyes and listen to the lines that they're saying, you're like, oh, okay, this would actually play really well if you couldn't see anything. If it was a, if it was a radio show, which is really bizarre. They seem to over explain everything um, and kind of break concepts down to the most minute detail which you don't always need on on film or tv it is it is probably the level at which um everything's sort of explained to you but whenever i've sort of watched an episode of this run it's like um i feel too old to watch it like Mm. it's almost like what i'm watching is really childish and i didn't get that with the stephen moffat ones like peter capaldi's episodes i know um, there was still like, it's still the same show and it's still for the same target audience, but it just feels, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but childish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited that they've got like tenant back will bring enough nostalgia and they'll probably get a load of people to start rewatching it again. But the fact they've got Russell T Davies back as well to write it. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he's just he's just a great writer. It doesn't doesn't really matter what he does. It always ends up being absolutely amazing. So it's in like the safest hands it could possibly be to be carried forward. Yeah, yeah. I think Chutigatwa, although he's brilliant, wasn't going to bring enough people back to Doctor Who. Not not straight and I away. Think no. Russell T Davis, the Doctor Who fans, Russell T Davis is a big name, but to anybody, probably in Britain more than anything, David Tennant is a big name do you know what I mean that he's yeah. more likely to pull it back so I think that's why they've done it because they know they've got something good lined up with Shuta Gatwa because he's going to be excellent but they need to draw people back in first it's weird how he's he's classed as the 14th Doctor yeah I can't get my head around it no it's all a bit weird isn't he it he is the current one he's the 10th Doctor but yeah yeah He's, he's gone back into the, but clearly it's going to tackle that just from that clip you see of him at the end of the episode. He kind of, it looks like he's going to, he's going to discuss it and be like, what? It doesn't make sense that I'm, I'm this again. Yeah. Say, um, say you had to cast the next doctor. Who would each of you pick? Well, I don't, I'd never, I've maybe watched one and a half episodes of it. So. Myth. I don't know who would make me watch it. It could be yeah, the most that's... unbiased opinion then. Just pick somebody purely <laughs> yeah, based on true. acting talent alone. Uh, <laughs> Lenny Henry. There we go. Wow. Well, Imagine that. He was in the last series. Was he? Yeah. He was a, a pretty sure he was a bad guy. There was always talk about a Michael Sheen doctor oh, that wasn't there that, that was always going around. I'd like to see Michaela Cole do it from... I May Destroy You. I think she'd be cool. She's going to be in the upcoming Black Panther. Oh, interesting. I think she'd be cool. What about you, Ollie? Uh, see, I asked a question, but I didn't have an answer prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that. So I'm, I'm just going to say Brendan uh, Fraser again. 
Um, I have a question before I go to the halftime question. Go on. Um, Just to wrap this whole bit up. Out of the list that you've watched this month, um, what would you recommend? One thing. The recommendation thing's funny because sometimes things can be brilliant, but I think enough people have seen them. Uh So sometimes I'd rather recommend something people haven't seen. So I'm going to recommend The Bear. Which is the new TV show on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. Oh my God. What's I, it about? I, don't, I don't remember the last time I binged a TV show and I, I binged it. Can I just clarify, is, is this something different to Bear in the Big Blue House? Because that has just come out on Disney Plus as well. It is something different <laughs> to Bear in the Big Blue <laughs> House. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so it's about a guy who used to work in one of the nicest restaurants in the world. And then his brother dies. So he moves back to take on his sandwich shop. Uh, and it's about the stresses and tensions in the kitchen um, of this sandwich shop whilst he is also grieving the loss of his brother. Mm-hmm. It's the first episode is unbelievably intense. You'll be like, Jesus. Um, but from there, it kind of, it becomes funnier and lighter in places and then tense again. But it's just, it's so good. Eight episodes and they're all about half an hour long. Nice. You did say it's called the, the bear, right? The bear. Ah, because that's like the symbol of grief. I take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The bear in the big blue house. That's the one. <laughs> um, I can't see if it's on the list, but finished House of the Dragon. Uh-huh. We're allowed to talk about House of the Dragon. Yeah, you can. I haven't seen any of it yet. I've saved Neither. it. Neither. So if you're going to keep it spoiler free, okay. I um I recommend House of the Dragon as uh I think it's fully redeemed the last series of Game of Thrones. Really? Wow. It it definitely gets you hyped for it again. And I think it sort nice. of it delivers on the fantasy front better than the Rings of Power did. Like there's enough happening mm-hmm. and there's enough building up that you're yeah, you're still excited for it the the whole way through. I'm still on episode three of Rings of Power. I'm struggling with it. It's yeah. Dry. I think it sort of it sort of rings of power builds up to like episode five and there's a massive um like Peter Jackson esque battle. It's really well mm-hmm. done and it's really well choreographed. And then you're sort of expecting the rest of the episodes to one up it and it sort of never does. It's obviously they're planning ahead for like a second series, which I imagine should be like the action heavy one. But still as a as a first series, you sort of wanna be invested enough in it to be like yeah second series bring it on and you don't quite get that i think it's world building in a way that game of thrones did that it's all very slow to start with them introducing to all these different characters in different parts of the world but that first season of game of thrones had twists and turns in ways you didn't expect which this doesn't really have um i think episode four it finds its feet a lot better and I was finding myself actually interested in everything that was going on. Uh, and now I've, I think I've got two episodes left. So I've done the big battle that you were talking about. Uh, and I, I am enjoying it, to be fair. I'm I, I'm enjoying it more than I thought. And I'll, def- I'll be very excited about the second season. But I can see what you mean, it, especially the first few episodes. It was really quite slow. But I'm buzzing. I will, now you've recommended House of Dragons. Because I've not heard much about it. No one's really talked about it to me. So I'm glad it's good. I'll definitely get mm-hmm. on that. Um, I'm going to go with um, Louis Through Interviews, which started last week. 
and he interviewed Stormzy, which is the first episode. But everyone nice. knows Louis through, right? If a scandal yeah. comes out about him, everyone would be devastated, wouldn't they? Gut, he's, he is the definition of national treasure, I think. Yeah, I think so. As far as Nicolas Apart Cage. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolas Cage, yeah. Sir Nicolas Cage, should it be? Uh-huh. But yeah, it, um, I think Stormzy came off really well in it as well. Um, it was a really honest interview. Uh, you don't get that many honest interviews on BBC, on British TV. Like you've got uh, Jonathan Ross and you've got Graham Norton, but you don't get like candid interviews that much. So it's nice to see people actually get interviewed properly. Um, mm. And it was just, it, he basically interviews him in his house and he goes to church with him at one point. But it's not like a Louis Theroux's normal things where he just gets deeper and deeper. It's more, it felt, it feels like he spent a day with them or two days. Right. Um, so it's a nice getting to know them. A bit like his podcasts, not that I've listened to them, but I hear they're like that. Um, but on iPlayer, go go check it out. Nice. Have you got a half-time question, Gareth? We're about halfway through. Uh, I have. Yeah, and it uh, leads into what we're going to talk about shortly. Uh, and it's you've got different answers here. I, you can pick from these answers. Um, oh, it's what, multiple choice. It's multiple choice, yeah. But you've got to have a reason for picking it. So the question is, what um, what disaster movie would you rather be in? So it's either Zombie, Meteor, A New Ice Age, or Alien Invasion. So you'd either be in a zombie apocalypse, meteor, going to destroy everything, new ice age or alien invasion. What would you rather and why? Who would like to go on, Ollie? Off? I would say a zombie apocalypse above everything else because I think uh, like an ice age or meteor, that would impact the world and you like we don't have the infrastructure, I think, to cope with that. Mm-hmm. Um, aliens... You could be at a complete technological uh, disadvantage. Yeah. So zombies, I'm hoping my years of playing Call of Duty zombies <laughs> will finally pay off and I'll be able to take them on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you don't really know. Like what, what level of zombies are you thinking? Like what film would you compare? Well, I was sort of thinking, you know, that sort of um, I Am Legend or like they've been around for a while. They're the worst ones. You've survived the, the first onslaught. <laughs> And now you're in a world where you're one of the 10% that survived. Ah. Which is, you know, difficult situation to be in. So they can run, is what you're saying. <laughs> they could probably run, yeah. Damn. Um, but they're not as... <laughs> I'm changing my answer to a meteor, though. <laughs> <laughs> Meteors can run too, though. I'd agree with Ollie's zombie answer. Really? And why? Because... I think it's the one, the scenario that you maybe play over most in your head. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's just me, but sometimes if you're on a walk, somewhere like, this would be a good place to come if we were in a zombie apocalypse, kind of defend yeah. this place. But I think it's the place you'd maybe be easier to come up with a plan. You're mentally preparing now, whereas like a meteor, you wouldn't have a clue, would you? <laughs> no. You wouldn't have a clue, no. And also so, I couldn't do anything in that situation. For the interest of, you know, having a different answer... I'm going to say Ice Age. So um, Meteor, you're screwed, aren't you, really? It's going to wipe out everything. And if it doesn't, yeah. I don't know. It's not going to, it's going to be a world of pain. Depends how big Alien it invasion, is. Invasion, yeah, it's true. But this is this is kind of, unless if you're in a bunker, you'll survive. It's one of them. Oh, okay. So Zombie Apocalypse, 
the thing is, it's a constant threat, isn't, isn't it? Even if you've survived that initial onslaught, you're always going to be like, oh Christ, there's a zombie around the corner. Um, and then alien invasion, I agree with you, Ollie, like you're going to be at a disadvantage uh, technologically. Ice Age, get a load of clothes. And then... Um, That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> Stage <laughs> yeah. one, and raid next. next. Yeah, yeah. And then hopefully through the um, advances of time, we'll we'll find a way to um, get food in a, an efficient way. Um, and just hope we can ride it out. But equally as difficult, I realise. But I'm going to go Ice Age. It's fair. So it's Zombie, Zombie, Ice Age is the... Is the answer? Is the answer? If they both happen so at the same time, one. we're we're buggered. <laughs> zombie apocalypse, ice age, Christ! That might it's freeze them all over the place. That would help. These zombies can't run; they ice skate. Who's the disaster filmmaker? Roland Emmerich. Yeah, you, you yeah. can hear him planning it oh. now. He's like, "That's a good idea." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd definitely learn to ice skate, wouldn't they? If that was the case, with uh-huh. zombie, um, what the dogs that push the sleighs. Huskies. Huskies, oh. zombie huskies. They would definitely appear in a... <laughs> it's not a bad idea, yeah, actually. I think that's yeah. a good... Yeah, it's a good idea for a film. Starts all in a ski chalet. Yeah. And then they hear like, oh! Yeah. And then... But it's actually a zombie, a woo. <laughs> so there's werewolf zombies now as well. Yeah. That'd be the Except sequel. Right. <laughs> We'll get a franchise out of this. Yeah, easy. Right. Um, it seems like a good segue to move into a disaster movie's top five. Yeah. So, um, in previously, what what would happen when we develop our top five for the um, Focus Film blog? Me and Alice would meet up separately, um, and we'd develop this top five, and then you'd post it as a blog, right? But yeah. We thought it might be a good idea just to do it and discuss it, thrash it out on here, and then post it as a blog later so people can yes. read. So, um, I don't know, Ollie, how familiar are how many uh, disaster movies you've watched, um, but we can bang out a list here for you to give you some examples if that would help. I've watched movies that are disasters. Very few <laughs> disaster <laughs> movies. Yeah, Black Adam's up there. Well, that's actually my first question is, what is a disaster movie? Because I was trying to define it, and I think it's something that humans can't control, but it's the effects that that thing has on the humans. Yeah, at first, at first when I thought about it, I was thinking something like The Day After Tomorrow, where everything gets screwed over. Yeah. And the world's completely changed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. There's other things. Actually, like <laughs> Titanic is a disaster movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Would you, um, oh, I think so anyway, would you class like the Planet of the Apes movies Ooh. as a disaster movie? Ooh. I'd say Rise is probably a disaster movie. But the others, not so much. But maybe, yeah, because Rise is more about the effect on the humans, whereas Dawn and War are more about the apes, I think. Well, te- technically War still has the effect on humans because... Um, I'm still trying to not be spoilery, but it's um because it's got humans in it. It sort of it shows you how the apes eventually take over, like fully. Yeah, true. 
that that was like my go-to when you were talking about disaster films. So I was just wondering. Yeah. yeah. That uh, that changes everything <laughs> for me. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I think, no, I think maybe... what? So are you saying, Ollie, that Rise and War... Uh, Rise is the first of the three, right? Yeah, yeah. Which makes no sense because it comes before the dawn. Yeah. Mm. And there's not a war in war, is there? Um, I don't know, actually. The sky is the darkest before the dawn, if that helps. That is true. And then they've, they've gone straight for the kingdom next, haven't they? Yeah. The other one I thought is Gravity. Is that a disaster movie? It's an absolute disaster, what happens. Yeah. If I was in that situation, I'd go, this is a fucking disaster. But, that- <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I kind of mean is that like things such as Greenland or <sighs> Day After Tomorrow or 2012, those sort of things are things that humans can't control. It's kind of environmental things that happen. Gravity's the same. They're not in control of, because it's like loads of, Rubble, isn't it, or something that crashes into them? That starts yeah. it all off. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of think it is a disaster movie. But then is something like Apollo thirteen a disaster movie? Potentially, or something like Sully, for example, because the reason that plane comes down isn't due to human error. Yeah, interesting. But then there's the ones I instantly think of, like Ollie, you thought of uh, Planet of the Apes, but I thought of. Um, after tomorrow i thought of independence day because they're yes. the, what's his name uh don't Will look Smith. up and and then 28 days later i thought of i don't know if you ended up seeing that Alice. no i didn't get around to watching it in the end don't unfortunately but i mean but we've had these top fives where we've had films on there that one of us hasn't seen true true but i haven't put it on my favorites so it doesn't matter right okay I can bang out my favourites if that's if that's going to be helpful. Go on, do it. So I've got Independence Day. I've got The Impossible. I've got Titanic, Gravity, and Don't Look Up. And I've just added Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But The Impossible stands out as one of the best for me because it's a bloody true story to start with. It's a disaster that actually happened. But it's... Uh, because it's told from the point of a family, it's just devastating. Um, but it, yeah, it really highlights the the devastation that happened, and yeah, it's incredible. I, I think The Impossible is outstanding. It's such a good film. Mm-hmm. It's such a good film, and there's so many moments in it when you're screaming at the telly. Like there's the bit when they're all crossing over each other in the hospital, trying to find each other, and it's so infuriating. It's so well done. Yeah, and I think with some of these disaster movies, such as Independence Day or Planet of the Apes, where you know re- they're not going to happen. So you sort of delight in the disaster. Yeah, sure. Whereas the yeah. impossible, you're just arrested by it because it actually happened. Mm-hmm. One that I loved that you didn't mention is Greenland that came mm. out last year or the year before. Yeah. That uh, that took me by surprise. It was so good because it wasn't about, in a lot of those sorts of films, such as The Day After Tomorrow in 2012, there's big CGI moments that make it look really over the top. Whereas Greenland doesn't have that because it didn't have the budget. So it's about the humans that are struggling with it. I just love, I think it's one of Jared Butler's best. Um, I love, love, love Greenland. I think it's so good. What's what's the disaster in Greenland? I'm just looking it up. Meteor strike, isn't it? 
okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's very last minute. All of a sudden, they're just going about their daily lives and then it's on the TV and they've just got to deal with it there and then. Yeah. Whereas things like Armageddon and Deep Impact and Don't Look Up, it's sort of, they know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, there's problems first. They have a certain amount of time to resolve that problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One that I watched for this list in advance and hated was Mars Attacks. Did you see Tom Jones in the end? I did. And I initially <laughs> reviewed it on Letterboxd as being five stars because Tom Jones was in it. Yeah. Um, in fact, my Letterbox review is, this is a crime to cinema, but Tom Jones. Because he not only, like, he turns up and he's singing and I'm like, oh great, he's doing a little singing cameo. He's then in the rest of the film as Tom Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Um, yeah, that- but uh, yeah, I found the rest of it pretty obnoxious. Is that the word I want to use? I think it is. I don't know. You, you, you're in control, mate. You do. Are there any Ollie that are springing to your mind that we haven't mentioned? Um, Independence Day. Is it Resurgence? The sequel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to point out that that is a disaster of a disaster film. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I watched that on a plane, and the films are hard enough to watch on a plane as it is, but that was diabolical. Yeah. I think um, there's a bit like right at the start, it shows you this like African warlord with a machete saying he'd just taken out like a few of the aliens. And it's like, that is the film that I would have wanted to see <laughs> like, compared to the rest of it. I always think about that. We well, like in Don't Look Up, the people that I, I didn't like that film as much as Gareth, I don't think. But when there's a bit when it shows everyone struggling and there's a bit with a guy on top of a mountain waving a staff or something. I can't remember exactly. And I thought, I want to see bits like that and how they're reacting. And I think the problem is with that, a lot of the characters are quite unlikable. So I didn't, there was other bits when I was like, I'd much rather see what they're doing and they're doing and they're doing than these characters that I don't like very much. Is that intentional though? Probably. Yeah. I mean, they're all meant to be horrible and yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially like, as uh, what, what, uh, can't remember who plays. There's one of the characters that, in particular, I can't remember who, which one it was. Now, oh, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill. They're pretty terrible. I've just thought it's Jurassic Park a disaster movie. Yeah, it's got to be in it. Surely, it's Probably. a disaster. Yeah. yeah, that again blows my mind. It throws this thing wide open, really, doesn't it? It's that mm. bit in the film where the whole cast unanimously say this is a disaster. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> one of the big hints, yeah. We need to narrow this list down, lads. Yeah, we do. But then is it that, like in films like Jurassic Park, for example, the main genre is not disaster, I wouldn't say. Mm. I'd say it's yeah. more of a horror than a disaster. Horror, you'd say? I'd say yeah, action. L- the T-Rex scene, for example, is a I wouldn't watch it at Halloween. Scene. When is the best time to watch Jurassic Park? July. Any particular reason? Because, um, that's a good question. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it's a blockbustery summer smash. Yeah, that's fair. Question. Cloverfield. Ah. Uh, I, I agree. I wasn't a big fan. I, really? I prefer, um, is it something like 12 Cloverfield Lane or something? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good one as well. That's really good. But that's definitely more of a horror, whereas Cloverfield is a disaster film. But fan footage doesn't it, well. it shows you it, how they're honest. coping with the disaster? Because they're, they're sort of sheltering from it 
is sort of like yeah, a different yeah. perspective on disaster films because she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not passionate about Cloverfield enough to, for it to be the one I really am. It's Green Greenland. From from what we've said, it feels like so, yeah. the impossible should definitely be on there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, like in, me and Ali are, are on Independence Day. Yeah. Oh no, actually, were you you just didn't like the Resurgence one, but Ollie, would you say Independence Day the original? Um, I'm not a fan of it, but it's probably one of the oh. most disaster of disaster films. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's not a disaster, but it's like a it's a disaster disaster film. So <laughs> that's that. I just I don't know what's I, going on. I anymore. don't know where I am now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay. So the Impossible. Independence Day. About Godzilla. Yeah, Godzilla. Godzilla. See, I'd say only the Roland Emmerich one is the disaster movie. I think the others play more on the fantasy sci-fi stuff. That makes sense. Whereas I think the other one, which isn't that great, uh, I I don't love it, but I think that one is more of a disaster movie, the 1990s one. I saw that in the cinema, but I can't remember it now because I haven't seen it in about 25 years. God, I feel old. You're not missing anything. (laughs) I wouldn't worry. No. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Deepwater Horizon is quite a good disaster movie. Day After Tomorrow is pretty trash. 2012 yeah. is even worse. Yes. Uh, you didn't see Armageddon, did you? I did. Well, I've seen it. I sort of seen it years ago. I just mm. wanted to rewatch it and I didn't get around to it. It's quite long, isn't I, it? It is long. It's iconic and it feels like you can't have a disaster movie list without it on there. But Yeah, it needs to be on there, I think. So here's, looking at the list, there's kind of seven here that we've spoken about yeah did, ollie did you see don't look up yeah i did you like don't I look up? didn't rate it like at all that's fine that can be bumped off so i'd say then the ones we've got the impossible mm-hmm. titanic yeah rise of the planet of the apes yeah independence day mm-hmm. armageddon and greenland how many is that six there's also to, gravity is up there as well, but we need to knock one off, and then I—I I mean, do we rate them, rank them now, or do we wait and let people mull that over, and then we and release, then it as we a release the ranking? Yeah, I think that. Sure. So we need to knock one off first. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the films off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. <clears throat> okay. Well, Ollie, what would you vote of those six? Would it be Independence Day? Sorry, uh, what to get rid of? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Gareth, what about you? Um, I would say Greenland for me because there's then, because at the moment there's two um, Meteor films on the list. What's Armageddon. The oh, Armageddon. And Greenland. That's the See, only reason. I prefer reason. Greenland to Armageddon. I, I'm willing to scrap Armageddon. I'm willing to sacrifice Armageddon, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, it's an honourable mention. Yeah, So yeah. we've got The Impossible, Titanic, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Independence Day and Greenland as our collective favourites. We favorites. could, and we'll we could have, have a fourth, a fourth um, judge, which would be the national public of Instagram. Uh-huh. They could have a say in all this if they wanted to, I suppose. They could, yeah. And what, what would you propose? That we just put it on as a vote. Battle Royale. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then that goes to, like, we'll do a rank with points and then that counts as one vote as well. Sure. So we've got a couple of things to get through. We've yeah. got um, our reviews for the month mm-hmm. and we've got to talk about 
the film club. And then also some extra news at the end. Yes. So, so to start of the month, the first review that came out this month, it was a film that came out in September, but Gareth reviewed it in October, The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I gave it a three star. It's got Zac Efron in it and Russell Crowe. It's on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. Um, I Let me clarify, a three star, I think is a good thing. Um from three mm-hmm. upwards, I think that's good. And then two and below, I don't, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't recommend, but I'd recommend a three star and I definitely recommend this. It's sort of like a Friday, Saturday night sort of viewing. Um, Russell Crowe is amazing. And so is Zac Efron. And it's about a guy, it's a true story about a guy in the Vietnam War who decides to travel to Vietnam to give them all their own beers he takes a rucksack full of beer with him to give to his mates but then he slowly realizes how um fractious the war is so it's interesting it's not going to win any awards it's not the best film of all time but it's a laugh the woman king is that going to win awards because you gave that a four star uh, i th- would it should it was really good it should um, shouldn't it? i think so yeah it's viola davis is incredible the whole cast were really really good um and it's completely different. One thing I'm noticing lately that the there's more original stories coming out. So maybe less focus on superheroes at the minute. There's some really interesting things coming out. Um, and The Woman King is one of them. Uh, what did you think, Alice? I loved it. I loved it. It's still not quite sank in, to be honest, but I I really, really loved it. I can't wait to rewatch it. Mm, it's the simple yeah. review. Yeah, there's a few films this month that I would rewatch, and I haven't felt like that for a while. I would rewatch Werewolf by Night, the new Marvel uh, special presentation that came out, which I think has a lot of creative nuance. It's something Marvel have never really done. Michael Giacchino making his directorial debut, which I think is great. Uh, I think it's just the right sort of length, personally. I really, really enjoyed it. It was just refreshing. I didn't feel like I needed to have this back knowledge of loads of different things to watch it either, which was quite nice as well for a Marvel thing. And it just appeared out of nowhere. And I think it more than anything, it's just a love letter to the horror genre and to the monster film genre from a composer who is already brilliant. Like he already has this brilliant career, but he thought, no, do you know what? I need to do this love letter to to horror. And I think that that's the main thing of it. I think it's just like, look at this and how much we love horror, which I love horror too. So I think that's why I loved it. I thought the the direction was amazing. Like trying to capture that old style. Like I think visually it was, it was perfect. It it could have been recorded however many years ago as they intended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes the acting gives it away that it's it's mm-hmm. contemporary. Um, I'd agree, but yeah, they they what they clearly set out to do. I think they achieved it. Well, I've done some Fright Night, so I've done the Blair Witch Project and Hereditary and Poltergeist and The Conjuring. Which one is your favourite? The, the fifth one, which we're going to talk about in a moment, uh, but an American Werewolf in London was my favourite of the five. My least favourite was Blair Witch Project. Wasn't a fan. But there you go. So they're they're there on Focus Film as well. You can go and see how I got on. There were five horror films I've never seen before. You like The Conjuring though, didn't you? 
I did. I really liked The Conjuring. Did uh, it scare you? Yeah. It, well, it had the most jump successful jump scares. I write down on there how many successful jump scares each one had. I think that one had six. Wow. Uh, and I often, I don't jump as much as I think I'm supposed to often at horrors, but The Conjuring was getting me all over the shop. It was I, I watched it in the cinema, but I was in the middle of the row. So I, I felt like I couldn't escape. And it was in like a small old cinema and it just uh-huh. gave me horror feels. I loved it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that Becky gave Emily a three star, which is the biopic about Emily Bronte. What else? Ollie, you reviewed The Rings of Power and She-Hulk and gave them both a three star. Yes. We've kind of spoken about The Rings of Power. Did you want to comment on She-Hulk? Yeah, it's it's good. I think the actual, like, the characterization of She-Hulk and I'm... I, I'm not sure I can pronounce her name personally. Tatiana Maslany. Yep. Was perfect. I think she was really good. And without her, the whole thing would have been a complete disaster. Um, I was talking to somebody last night that just hated the whole thing. Um, and I really, I really can't see why. I think it's, it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be, you, you're not meant to think too much on it. But at the same time, I can see in some places where it sort of builds things up and then subverts your expectations because it can. Mm-hmm. So instead of delivering some sort of resolution, it just kind of goes, no, like this is this is the fun thing to do and we're going to do this instead. Yeah, yeah. But that, that being said, there are a few bits in it which do provide a bit of fan service that you think, okay, no, this is pretty cool. And I do want to see a second series of it. And I think they probably would learn from their mistakes. Yeah. Well, Jim Walters says in the last episode herself, like this is meant to be a fun, episodic legal comedy. I agree with Ollie's review down to every single last word. I think it's so well written because I, I just, I, I fully, fully am on board with exactly that. Three stars as well. What else? House of the Dragon, we've kind of spoken about. Uh, Ollie, you've given it a lot of praise, but just to back that up, you gave it five star. So a lot of praise. Um, yeah, I used to I used to love Game of Thrones, and I, I imagine like a lot of people, the last series was kind of like, "What the hell? Why have you done this to us?" Um, so if their response is House of the Dragon and how they've handled that, it's sort of like, it's not, it's not taking anything away from Game of Thrones, and it's not trying to force their decisions or they're they're not trying to correct anything by what they've done with house of the dragon. It's almost Uh like it was always meant to be the start of what game of Thrones is. And it's set so far back that what I said with rings of power is you sort of know where everything's heading. So there's characters in it that, you know, from the Lord of the Rings films and you know, what's going to happen that there's like no way to it. Whereas this if you if you've read the books, you obviously know what's going to happen. But from a TV series point of view, um, you don't know which way it's going to go. So there's you've still got that tension of everything that's happening. Also, Matt Smith. <laughs> also, Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last thing on the Focus Film site is the Banshees of Inisherin. Inisherin. How am I pronouncing that, yeah. Gareth? Inisherin. Inisherin. Yeah. Uh, which I gave four star. Me and Gareth went to watch a few days ago. It's so good. I mean, and and I I think we should leave it there because because I'll, I'll tell you, yeah because 
we're we're doing something new. We're gonna <laughs> don't be so coy. Okay, right. We're doing <laughs> da, something da, 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 da. Announcement da, da, da. alert. Trumpets. Uh, we're gonna do the Focus Film Club. We kind of started it. We didn't know really how to do it. We did a YouTube video where we watched the gentleman. Gareth had never seen it. We watched it and we spoke about it. And um, we were like, then we kind of pick films on here to be our film club. Uh, this month it was an American Werewolf in London, which I absolutely loved. Uh, Gareth, you love hearted it on Letterboxd. I didn't want to give away my um, my rating. Okay, but what would you rate it now here? Uh, you gave it a a sweet sweet five. I did because and it's I, hilarious. It's so funny. It is really good. I'm going to go four. Okay, mm-hmm. but I am. I give you the seal of approval for a five. Yeah. There's the bit when um, the the little boy says, a naked American man stole my balloons. And then the mum's <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's so, so many fun. funny bits. Yeah. But we could talk about that film, for example, for ages. And we kind of want time to be able to do that. So in between these monthly episodes, we are going to bring out a focus film club where we're going to talk about one new release and one older release and we're going to spoil them. So we're going to be able to talk about them in more detail than we do on here. We don't want to spoil things. So at the end of each of these episodes, we will pick those two films and then you have got a couple of weeks to watch them so that you can sit down and and, um, listen to us talk about them, having seen them already. Mm -hmm. And the reason I stopped talking about the Banshees of Inner Sharon is because I don't know how you feel, Gareth, but I think that would maybe be a good one for our new release. Yeah, chuck it on there. Chuck it on there, yeah. Because even if people can't see it now, when they get to see it on whatever it comes on, they can come back to it and listen, can't they? Exactly, yeah. So then what we need we an doing? older release. Yeah. Uh, I've got one in mind. Go on. If it, I know we've both seen it, is there anything, but I think it'd be an okay. interesting one. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I don't think so, but... You know. I've picked The Social Network. Wow, interesting. For any particular reason, or um, it gets bandied about a lot as one of the best films of this century so far. Um, I think Quentin Tarantino agreed it's one of the best films of the decade, the mm-hmm. tens decade. It's currently on Netflix uh, at the time of recording, so people can actually watch it before we talk about it. So I thought that'd be a good thing to get nice. stuck into. I I'm gonna rewatch it. Um, and I'll keep my opinion quiet for now. So there, yeah, if you want to watch either of those, then you'll be prepared for our first podcast, Focus Film Club. But it'll be Focus Film Club number two. The first one exists in a YouTube format. So this mm-hmm. will be Focus Film Club number two. Yeah. Ollie, have you got anything um, lasting to say to round off? Um, Can be anything. 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 Literally anything. Hasta la vista, baby. for listening we have been ellis barthorpe and gareth bradwick with guest ollie law you can follow us on at focus film blog and read new reviews on focusfilms.online with thanks to charles whitcomb for the theme music 